0: Welcome to Canada's Most Irreverent Talk Show. This is The Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North. Hello and welcome to you all. This is Canada's Most Irreverent Talk Show, The Andrew Lawton Show, here on True North. On this Friday, August 25th, 2023, on our Friday shows, we try to do a bigger picture view, get that 30,000 foot perspective on a big issue of the day whatever that issue is that may not be particularly sensitive on the timing but in this particular show it is because we are seeing on a couple of different fronts the politics of transgender ideology seep into a great many spaces it has been an issue in the classroom it's been an issue in women's shelters it's been an issue in jails it's been an issue in the political context although you are going to be hard-pressed to find a politician who is prepared to talk about it over the last year we've seen a proliferation i think of groups of parents of networks of of parents you never want to get between a mama bear and her little cubs but we've seen that happen in the schools parents that have been speaking up and saying whoa 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 I don't like my kid being taught this, I don't like my kid being taught that. You've always had that to some extent. There's always been a a contingent of parents that says, you know what, I wanna pull my kids out of sex ed because I think this is something that we should be teaching them as parents and families. And for the most part, the government has always just accepted that and they didn't really start until the last few years to make it more and more difficult for parents to do that. And of course the matters in the curriculum have extended to such a point that now we're seeing more and more more people join this movement of parents that are saying enough is enough, and we've certainly seen this fight in the United States, but Canada has seen it as well, and as a result, we now have a very broad coalition of people that aren't just your hardline evangelical Christians, but also Muslims, Catholics, Catholics, Jews, atheists, Sikhs, Hindus, agnostics, and Zoroastrians, maybe you get one of them or two, uh, that are all coming together right now and saying, listen, we may have wildly different beliefs about theology, about this and that, about about politics but when it comes to our children we don't like what they're being taught. And it's been interesting how the Justin Diversity is Our Strength Trudeau government has taken a very different tone on this, as has much of the left. For example, they used to preach about the perils of Islamophobia, the need to tolerate Muslims, and the need to love Muslims. But the second it's Muslims speaking up and saying, well, actually, our religion doesn't really align with this really overzealous and really aggressive approach to sexual identity, then it's, uh, well, eh, who do do we side with here? And you've seen this come to a a flashpoint in a couple of cases. For example, uh, back a few years ago, you had the debate about whether a transgender waxing client has a right to demand being waxed by a Muslim waxologist that doesn't want to wax female genitalia. This is something that uh, may be an amusing headline, but really touches on a very real issue in society, which is what happens when you proclaim to be the most diverse, tolerant society and find that two groups' rights are seemingly butting up against each other. Well, this has been what's happening now. Tolerance is no longer enough. You can't just say, I am a trans person and I tolerate that there will be people with religious beliefs that don't want to uh, approach gender the same way I do. And you can't just say, I'm a Muslim person and I want to tolerate that uh, these people are out there and they may not agree with my views. Uh, It's forced acceptance. And when you do that, one group has to win out over the others and a lot of the media and political establishment and academic institutions have said that it's going to be the lgbtq2ia plus Uh, Movement that wins out in this and as a result religious freedom is imperiled. So one of the changes that we've seen here is that a lot of groups that haven't always gotten along on political issues are coming together because kids are at stake and there is quite a large movement planned in the fall where a million person march, I don't know if there are going to be a million people there but that's been the name presented, a million person march which has been spearheaded predominantly by a group of Muslims. Uh, One One of them joins me now Camille El-Sheikh who is the organizer of this and also Dr. Bahira Abdul-Salam who is a former mayoral candidate in the most recent Toronto by-election and is also the spokesperson and coordinator for Hands Off Our Kids which as the name suggests takes parental rights very seriously. Uh, Bahira and Camille great to talk to you both thank you for coming on today. Good Thank to
1: you talk so to you. much. It's, a, it's our pleasure.
0: Uh, now, now, obviously, let, let's start with the, the obvious part here, which is that we, we've seen right now in this movement a uh, coalition that we haven't really seen on other issues. Uh, you both are, are coming at this from the Muslim community. We've got uh, a number of people that are you know evangelical Christians, devout Catholics, people who are of no faith at all. Uh, why is it that you think this is an issue that's drawing such a, a diverse coalition? I'll, I'll start with you on this, Bahira.
1: Uh, so uh, we believe that uh, there there are like changes that happened in uh, the school system and education system uh, that are related to the human rights uh, code, uh, which is uh, giving uh, some uh, a kind of uh, control of LGBT rights over religious rights uh, and uh, It is not only related to religions, but it is related to concepts that are uh, for many people who are maybe are not affiliated to any religious groups that are uh, considered extreme and unacceptable um, related to uh, gender ideology, uh, sexualization of children at schools and uh, the uh, uh we noticed that there are lots of uh, <clears throat> uh sexually explicit materials books uh, organizations that are uh, uh like uh, uh involved in in the education somehow which is which are not monitored by any government or uh, so uh, uh now like uh, you know with the social media and all this uh uh, technological advancements, people became connected more and more. We are becoming more connected and information, you cannot hide uh, those information, right? So uh, the, the, the extreme it gets with this ideology and uh, the cases that happened to lots of children, the people started like parent groups, they have been active talking about this all over Canada and the United States. And um, now we are getting uh, more and more connected and more and more uh, determined that this needs to have an end.
0: And to you, Camille, I mean, this is not the Million Muslim March. It's the Million Person March. So you must have heard from so many people of all different walks of life that are saying, yeah, maybe we're different political views, different faith views, different backgrounds, but we're all on the same team here.
2: Absolutely. I mean, look, uh, children are a universal uh, type of a subject, I guess, if you may. I mean, if you go to jail and you are a pedophile, uh, good luck going to the jail with inmates. There's no respect for that. Okay, and this is in jail. Could you imagine? I mean, 97.6 percent of Canadians are heterosexual. You know, families. You're either you're part of a nuclear family. You I don't I don't know what your personal life is. Uh, if you're divorced, you were still part of a heterosexual relationship, and you may have kids, right? So, most of Canadians. Whether they're, you know, heterosexual families uh, may have kids or maybe uh, aunts or uncles to kids. So when you bring kids at the forefront to serve any political agenda, that's when people get concerned. And so I think, uh, you know, by, by pushing the sexual indoctrination, uh, child pornography in the school for five and six year olds, um, you know, gay uh, pride, uh, you know, 60 year old males uh, dancing naked in the streets with their ornaments exposed to kids in a state, you know, that's a very, you know, it, it's, it's a very, you know, sexually explicit state and four and five year olds are watching. I mean, you can only want to talk to every Canadian that's concerned about it. And thankfully for us, it's the majority of Canadians
0: one thing that I've always found so bizarre about this is that for years and years we've been told by the political left the importance of diversity and uh, I know in the past the Muslim community has been a particular focal point of this when the government gets up and says we need to end Islamophobia at all costs and and they say, you know, we stand shoulder to shoulder with Muslim Canadians and then the second that you get Muslim Canadians that stand up and say, yeah, you know, we're not really comfortable with uh, forcing pride on our children in this way or we're not really comfortable with the idea that our six-year-old students can be told that they're you know 27 different genders all of a sudden that flips and and you know i live in in london ontario and we have a a school here that has i think like a third of the students are are muslim and that third basically sat home one day on one of these proclaimed days then all of a sudden no one cares about respecting the muslim community's views on a particular issue it's oh well now they're transphobic they're homophobic and i this must have just been like a whiplash for for you folks who have seen on one hand a government preach tolerance and then has taken a very intolerant view of, of your own religion
2: well you know what it's something where uh, muslim communities have always been used to i mean like look at september 11th it was blamed on islam it condoned the iraq war killed one million uh, iraqi citizens killed a hundred thousand american and uk troops the population right uh, afghanistan same thing one million afghanis And then you got the wars on Yemen, Syria, and all that stuff. And it doesn't stop. It killed people on both sides. So um, Islam is always used as a political card. Now, um, you know, people do get stopped at the airport because their name is Muhammad or Fatima. And then politicians from the, uh, the left like to capitalize on that. And that's where they used Islam. But now Islam is uh, standing hand in hand with Christianity as it should because in the Middle East you go to Egypt you go to Lebanon I'm in Lebanon right now vacationing I just saw a 4,000 or sorry a 2,000 year old church right and, and I saw a mosque right beside it so there's that coexistence that always existed but today we're united by, uh, by the kids and the, and the political parties are dropping the Islamophobia card and they're using the bigot card on Muslims. And it's, 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 you know, it's kind of like a race between Islamophobia or homophobia. Now, okay, it's politically convenient to use homophobia so Islamophobia can take a backseat. And you know what? We're not going to be there to accommodate politicians. We just want to stand hand in hand with the rest of Canadians and say hands off our kids at all costs. Because that's not a negotiation.
0: I'll ask you about this, Bahira. What what is it specifically that you would like? Because I, I I've never heard much in the way of of concern about if a school wants to fly a pride flag or if a school wants to teach as part of the sex ed curriculum that you know there are these different ways that people have you know to live and and that parents, if they want, can pull their kids out of that. And and there's always been an understanding that if parents want to first and foremost be their children's primary educator which they should they have that right and it seems to me as though there's been a flip where all of a sudden you have an attitude that does not respect parents whatever their um their their issue or concern is so what's your what, what's your what's your goal here i mean what is it you'd like to actually see happen
1: Okay, so uh, just a quick comment on Camel, because he mentioned Muslims and Christians. So in reality, uh, all the majority of Canadians, uh, not necessarily only Muslim, because some atheists are reaching out to me and <laughs> saying, don't forget us, we are with you, right? So, uh, and uh, uh, something else that I want to make it clear that it is not sudden. It is not silent. It has been for years, for decades. Activists are fighting this. Uh, the Christian community—they have been fighting, but they have been silenced. And many activists—they have been fighting, but they have been accused with with all kind of uh, uh, like uh, they, they are called bigots. They are co- they are defamed, and they are continuing to do that right now. But Right now, when uh, this agenda, it became very clear to everyone, or the majority of people, and we are hoping that by this March, we are trying to educate people and raise the awareness about what is happening uh, in in schools. Uh, So we are, uh, first of all, we are trying to achieve awareness, and we are trying to break the barrier of fear, okay? Uh, when uh, um, I started uh, uh, tweeting about uh, the uh, a protest that happened in Mississauga, I had a flood of uh, hate speech and people trying to defame me. And, and how come we are saying that we are in Canada, we are Canadians, we are in a country that respects uh, uh, like a freedom of expression? but is it only one way is it only one kind of speech that is allowed so this is considered oppression and this is considered dictatorship and this is considered uh, this is uh, it will never be accepted by uh, me as a person uh, us as muslims and canadians like those are basic canadian values freedom of expression so protection of our children, this is our primary goal. Uh, To to be very clear, we need our children to, to go to school to be educated about real education, about math and science, about critical thinking, about respecting everyone, regardless of their color, their religion, their ideology, We are not against uh, that we are going to exclude or we are going to attack anyone. No, we are not. This is not what we are calling for. Our message is love and respect for everyone. However, we need to be treated the same. Uh, The the children, when they are uh, told that you might have been born in a wrong body or they have been uh, uh, like, Uh, sexually explicit materials, or they have been taught, this is from the early childhood, is going to have a very uh, critical impact on their personality and on their faith and on their uh, uh, like uh, mental health. So this is what we see it. We see this is causing some uh, mental health problem when they are confusing our children about their gender, or uh, providing some very complex concepts, they that may not be uh, like uh, simple to understand by an adult. So how come we are uh, telling this to to the children? So what what we need to do is to uh, remove uh, the organizations that are. Uh, distributing those kind of materials and ideologies uh, in schools. And uh, we need a reform in the education system because now uh, it seems that there is no uh, control over it. Like we, we don't have, uh, they are relying on uh, parental uh, uh, like uh, groups or uh, uh, PIC, Parent Engagement Committees that don't have authority, and uh, even the the Ministry of Education, even the provincial government, the federal government, they are pushing, uh, they are not really uh, having uh, control, but they are on the opposite. They are pushing against the will of people, and uh, this is not real democracy. Democracy is that people have to be the source of power in any kind of uh, like uh, country or uh, a governance system mm-hmm.
0: how do you feel great on vacation like really good easy you go to Aruba you'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water you'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed You won't just feel great, you'll feel relaxed,
1: renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com.
0: Well, and I would also add to that, uh, Bahira, that that knowledge is essential for power. And I I wanted to ask you about this, Camille, because do you find that parents for the last however many years were unaware this was going on because when i mentioned earlier that a lot of this seems sudden certainly the issues are not sudden but it seems like it's only really been in the last year that we've seen such pushback and and we've seen such an uprising and i'm wondering if that's an an indication of, of people that really didn't know this was happening of parents that didn't know what was being taught what's your read on that
2: Well, maybe it's a little bit of everything, but I think uh, with the power of AI, uh, Andrew, um, you're able to collect algorithms from kids. I mean, you could see a four-year-old today or a three-year-old today grab a phone and click and get to YouTube videos and you you ask, how did they do it and how did they put the nursery rhymes on there and stuff like that? But uh, some parents were aware, some parents were not aware, but I think at this point, the, the state feels... That they they uh, are are the ones to be, uh, you know to raise the children instead of parents, and now that's that narcissistic uh, uh, um, nature of the state where they're gonna trump whatever, whatever par- parents think, and they're going to impose their will. So we do have a government that's kind of uh, using a dictatorship approach, just like uh, Behira said, and th- th- it has nothing to do with democracy. They're just serving an agenda, irregardless of religious beliefs, whether you're Christian, Buddhist, or Muslim, or, you know, agnostic, but, you know, you have a certain moral compass that you would like your kids to adhere to. You brought them this life. Um, and they feel that uh, they can trump that uh, with the uh, indoctrination of pride in there. And this is you know, why we're fighting uh, today. We want uh, you know, parents to have the parental consent, and at least until the kid is 18 or 19.
0: And uh, what's the march gonna look like? Give me a little glimpse of that. Oh, wow.
2: You know what, whether it's behira or myself or any of our spokespeople, uh, or Mahmoud Murrah in Calgary, Anytime we do a video or, um, you know, uh, do a a post in social media, you'd get thousands of comments. I'm Jeff from Surrey, B.C. I'm, uh, you know, uh, Grace from, you know, Saskatchewan. So what does it look like? It's going to look like Canada. It's going to look like a big Canada day where people are fed up and they're going to bring their kids down and they're going to bring their, you know, coolers and, and put sandwiches in there and it's going to look like a day off school where parents are going to pull their kids out of school and bring their, themselves out to designated locations throughout the country and protest together. And it's going to look like a Canada Day without Canada Day. And, you know, that's where, you know, Canadians come
0: together and say, finally, no, hands up our kids.
1: Yeah, I just uh, want to...
0: And I'll ask you the, the last question here. But he, oh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I uh, just want to uh, comment about uh, plans to, uh, uh, to spread this information about this protest because we have been witnessing lots of, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, plans that are uh, against our movement, which uh, trying to, show us as uh, kind of disorganized so they are creating like different websites with different timing different uh, locations some people trying to claim that uh, they are uh organizer of this movement and trying to claim ownership of it so uh, this,
2: hmm? yeah there's images and profiles too images while us and, being profiles.
1: Banned, so and uh it has it is a it's a, like a social war Uh, Again, this movement in order to to, uh, make people like uh, go maybe to different locations, go to uh, like uh, different dates. So we are very clear. The date is Wednesday, uh, 20 of September, uh, 9 a.m. So the locations, uh, the website is uh, for now, it is um, uh, hands of... uh,
2: Hands off our kids. Yeah, .ca. and probably
1: we're gonna announce uh,
2: yep. a, a different website. To I'm trying it. to memorize it myself. I, I want.
0: You were talking at the same time there, so just for people to know that handsoffourkids.ca. and that's the official one. The stuff that's on there uh, is associated <laughs> Every, with you. Yeah, right.
1: yeah. So any any uh, information is going to be um, on my Twitter account, uh, on uh, Camel's uh, TikTok account. Uh, camel is not on uh, Twitter so uh, but if by accident you find someone claiming that he is camel he's not <laughs> because they are creating stuff
0: please report them <laughs> too. please we report them report the profile because <laughs> we are
1: reporting that yeah
0: well, when people are doing it, when people are trying to shut you up, it means you're, you're saying something they're afraid of because it's easier to silence than to yeah. uh, debate. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad you both are. I mean, I, it's funny, you and I could probably have uh, very spirited debates on a number of political issues, but when it comes to children, you're right that it's a, a unifying thing here. Uh, joining me is Dr. Bahira Abdel Salam and uh, Camille Al-Sheikh. It's wonderful to talk to you both. Thank you so much for coming Thank on today. Thank
1: you so much. Thank you. Thank you.
0: That was Bahira Abdul Salam and Camille El-Sheikh. And I I should say, and I mentioned it at the end there, we could probably, the three of us, have some spirited debates about a number of issues. For example, I I know Camille has been, as you heard a little bit in that interview, very vocal on some foreign policy things that I don't particularly agree with. And I, I have warned in the past against creating really, really thin coalitions that are formed around a single issue. Because I've said that just because two people may agree on one thing doesn't mean they'll agree on everything else. And I, I said this about Robert F. Kennedy Jr., for example, just because uh, people on the right may agree with him on COVID and vaccine stuff doesn't mean they're going to agree with him on climate change or, or whatever else. So I, the, the point of that is not that we shouldn't work together and reach across the aisle. I, I'm just saying we should do so while understanding exactly what is at stake here. And and the enemy of your enemy can be your friend, uh, but only sometimes for a period of time. And that's. It's not a a smear at at anyone that I've spoken to or spoken about on this show. I I think, if anything, it's talking about how real this issue is for so many people that they are coming together in in this way, that you have people that have never really linked arms with each other, as we saw during the Freedom Convoy, when the story I always tell of the Quebec separatists and the Alberta separatists, like, hugging each other and laughing together, of Indigenous people and those that, in in some cases, they have never really been in a a political accord with speaking up in the same way and saying, we're, we're here for freedom. And uh, it was interesting actually talking to Bahira there, uh, learning just how many shades of the freedom convoy you're seeing in, in that that organic grassroots nature that leads to just anyone and everyone try to sort of glom on and say, no, this is the website and this is the date and we're doing this. And it ends up getting a uh, little bit chaotic there. So uh, whether you join the march in September or not, the, the reason I, I did that interview is to show about how real uh, things get for people, and and how much it swells ever so quickly when people feel that their children and their autonomy as parents are under attack, and that is, as Camille said, quite universal. Uh, the trans issue is not just a case in school curricula, but also in the sporting world. Now, I've talked about this dynamic in the past with author Linda Blade, Doctor Linda Blade, who is the former president of Athletics Alberta and the author of a fabulous book alongside Barbara Kay uh, called Unsporting, how trans activism and science denial are destroying sport. Now I ended up pre-recording this interview and in the last couple of days uh, right after we recorded the interview in fact we learned that this uh, transgender power lifter by the name of Ann Andres Uh, could be banned as Canada's union for the sport is ordered to change its rules by the International Governing Body for Powerlifting, the International Powerlifting Federation, uh, which issued an ultimatum to the Canadian Powerlifting Union uh, that is incredibly, incredibly uh, impactful on uh, the participation of trans athletes. And as you'll hear in the interview, uh, this is an incredibly, incredibly unfair advantage that you have being a biological male in in power lifting. Now, the thrust of my interview with Linda was about this motion that she's putting forward at the upcoming Conservative Party of Canada convention, but obviously it's a complicated issue that goes in a number of different directions, so we cover off all the bases as best as we can. Linda, it is wonderful to talk to you. Thanks so much for coming on today.
3: Thanks for having me, Andrew. Thank you.
0: So obviously what you're putting forward here are an amendment to the Conservatives' official policy on women's issues more broadly. And you're drilling down two specific points here. Uh, number one is defining a woman. So that question that seemingly brings uh, you know every judge and professor and journalist and politician in the United States to their knees because they don't know how to answer it. Uh, and that is, uh, quote, for clarity, the term woman used throughout this CPC policy declaration means female person. And the other aspect of this, that the Conservatives uh, believe uh, women's, women are entitled to the safety, dignity, and privacy of single-sex spaces. That's prisons, shelters, locker rooms, washrooms. This is an issue that I think most Canadians would find utterly uncontroversial. And in fact, some Canadians who blissfully aren't on Twitter probably wouldn't even know there's a debate about what a woman is. But seemingly in politics, no one wants to say the obvious.
3: Absolutely, and and the reason I use the term "female person" in that policy proposal, I it harkens back to the nineteen twenties when women were seeking to be recognized as person and persons in law, and in order to you know have uh, positions in parliament, in the senate, and that sort of thing, and in those days. They knew exactly what a female person was. We knew that we could not participate in Canadian society, uh, you know, based on the fact that we were biological women. But when you say biological and some people are advocating, I should even put the word biological in there. But I don't think I think that's redundant. Female is biology. Female is female. You don't have to put anything in front of that.
0: Yeah, you're right about that. The need to qualify it is uh, inherently buying into the narrative that there is a difference between a biological woman and a a woman. And I think conversely, we've also seen people have this discussion where they don't want to use the term cis woman, because again, to do so uh, basically says that woman itself does not have a meaning on its own. So... I'll ask about this in, in the broader context here. of When you've been talking to conservative politicians about this, do they agree with you? And is it just that they won't say it out loud? I'm just curious why you've needed to go this route in putting it in the party policy directly or seeking that.
3: Well, the reason, first of all, that I chose to put it in a party policy and work with a party is that none of the other parties... Uh, that are currently in Parliament seem to know what a woman is in terms of that, like there's no chance that the Liberals and NDP at this point are going to support women's sex-based rights. So the only chance I felt I had was to work with the Conservative Party, hoping that their grassroots process on policy would you know, bring this forward, and apparently it has, and it's quite popular. Um, and the truth is that everybody in the party knows that I'm right. And only the ones who disagree with me are saying things like, "I get your point, you make a good point, it's true, but we can't be seen to be saying this because it will be somehow characterized as being transphobic, when in fact, in that statement that we have in the proposed policy, not one time did we put the word trans in there. So they're already taking that leap that, oh my goodness, the CBC and all these mainstream media are going to... Label us. We're going to be, oh, why are we, you know, why? But my question is, why are we so afraid? Like we need to lead in this people. When, when we put this idea into the public context, almost all the time, whenever we have like a poll on Twitter, whatever, 80% of people outright agree with us. And so if you have something, an issue whereby 80% of the public agrees with you, well, That's a winning issue. Like, why not? Like, who cares about names and epithets? This is the truth.
0: I I want to go back to what you said there about the opposition to this, though. Is that honestly the case that the only people you hear from who oppose this are not people who disagree with it but people who are scared that other yeah. people will disagree with it so that's people well, that's that say exactly you're right but we can't say it because if that's the case that's actually absurd here that you have basically the you know the emperor's new clothes where everyone's right. looking at this and seeing the same thing and everyone's too afraid to be the little kid that raises his hand and in this case yeah. it's the same body part that's visible as in your scenario here <laughs>
3: Yeah, well, and truthfully, it's kind of a pity that I even have to go through and beg for, a you know, propose something that, oh, please uh, be pro-women. Uh, like, this shouldn't even be an issue, really. Like, I mean, why can't every party be pro-woman? that That, you know, and so if the conservatives really want to be on the right side of history, be pro-women. That's all we're saying. Be in favor of safety, protection, dignity of women and girls. Like, how? That's a no-brainer.
0: Now, I just want to confirm something here because there's the Mm -hmm. line in the policy that you're proposing that I believe is already there in the existing policy, right? Like you're you're amending it. And that is that the Conservative Party supports the full participation of women in the social, economic, and cultural life of Canada. So that part is already in the policy, right? Right. So how do you have full participation of women if you are actually excluding women, for example, from competitive athletics because a male has taken the top female spot?
3: That's my point. My point is that the policy needed clarity, Andrew, so that uh, we know exactly what we're talking about when we use the word woman and not buy into the liberal and NDP redefinition of the word woman, which in their definition is anybody who says they're a woman is a woman. Like, that's, that can't be true.
0: If there were an election in which you had a Conservative Party that had managed to find a backbone, which sometimes has eluded it in recent elections, and, and talk about this, where are you convinced that the debate will go because I mean liberals and new democrats are ideological of course like conservatives are in their own direction but they're also seeing that Canadians will not be on their side on this and, and in all honesty I, I've talked to people who I mentioned the word earlier blissfully who don't live in the, the culture war and it's actually astonishing when they hear that this is even a debate and this is even a discussion and it would actually be interesting to see an election in which the liberals are forced to explain why what everyone knows a woman is isn't actually a woman
3: that's a dream come true for me. Why don't we make them explain? Why are we allowing the Liberals and the NDP to throw women under under the bus since 2016? And I think they did it knowing that, hoping that women wouldn't say anything. Well, we're saying something and right across the political spectrum, women will support any party that supports us. And I've had a lot of women from like radical feminists all across the board in Canada, every province tell me, If you can get this done, we're going to support that party.
0: I know your approach to this issue has been because of your background, Linda, athletics and, and sport. Yeah. And I think that's a tremendously important one. And I've actually cited, and I, I've, I, I'm i kind of undermining my point here because I've cited a stat that now I can't remember. But uh, the, the stat was basically, and you'll know what I'm talking about here, the comparative advantage that being a male has over females relative to doping. And, uh, you know, I know very little about sports, but I know that doping is like, it's the plagiarism of the sports world. It's the unforgivable sin, the thing that triggers so much. And, and when you had put out in your book the stats of just how much of an advantage me uh, competing against a female would have over someone who doped against someone who, who's not doped, that was astronomical. And I, I felt like on the athletic stuff, we're starting to see people get that point. I mean, the Riley Gaines and Leah Thomas... Uh, debacle, for example, really did break out of the typical political uh, rooms in which this issue is being discussed to a lot more mainstream audiences.
3: Absolutely. And I think it's um, it was bound to happen. I mean, when you come for women's sports, you come into a realm of fighters and competitors. I don't know how in the world the ideologues and zealots thought that if they come and take women's sports away from women and girls that somehow the female athletes were all just going to sit by and let it happen without a uh, fight. And, and truthfully, you know, when, a, when a person dopes, it's like, I'll, I'll add to your actual numbers there. It's about a nine nine eight nine percent advantage uh, with an adult woman who dopes. But when a man's in a woman's sport, um, when it's running, it's 10 to 15% advantage. When it's jumping, it's almost 20% advantage. When it's weightlifting, it's up to 50% advantage. And, when it's putting it all together in a big punch, like in boxing, it's a 160% advantage. So, you know, truthfully, having a man, no matter if you, if, if this person identifies and, and wants to, you know, even have on their driver's license that they're a, a, a woman, the truth of the matter is they have a male body. Um, and even if you basically reduce their testosterone to zero, it doesn't matter because they already have built in advantages. It's a different model. Our bodies have two different designs, and it's just not fair, and we know that. Everybody knows that implicitly, and the fact that we have to come out and state it, it's it's kind of a pity in a way, but, you know, hey, then I'll say it. If I have to say it, the emperor has no clothes. I mean...
0: I'll when when you mention the word fair, the, the problem is, is that fairness itself is not really all that desirable to the people that are pushing this because the narrative that they use is one not crafted around fairness, but one crafted around tolerance or acceptance. Uh, even that, though, I, I must ask your thoughts on this, seems to me a bit thin because uh, we saw when, I forget which body it was recently, it proposed an open category in which uh, both males and females could compete to eliminate the problem of uh, males entering female spheres. And and that to me seemed great because we're not excluding trans people from sport. We're giving them an option. But of that course. was not adequate. They yeah. were saying, no, no, no. I, I don't want to just be able to compete. I want to compete as a woman. And, and that to me strikes me as a bit odd because it, it actually undermines their whole argument that what they're really after is acceptance and just being able yeah. to play.
3: Well, that's really fascinating. And I think what you're referring to is World Cycling. That's the world one, Cycling yeah. just put in a new law. And um, it has been proven, it's been shown now in the last few weeks that since that policy changed and there's an open policy now where anybody who's who's of any identity can be in this open category, they still insist the male born people still insist on coming into the women's section and claiming that they need to be affirmed. And when we see that, the message is very clear. It's not about fairness, as you say. It's about using women's sports as a social therapy. And, you know, look, there's other ways to get help and therapy and for affirmation. You don't need to use women's sports to do that, right? And and women's sports needs also to be safe, not only fair, but safe. And if you have a male body, let's say in women's rugby or women's MMA fights as we've seen, women's skull getting cracked and orbital bone getting crushed. I mean, come on, like they just don't belong in women's sports, it's very simple.
0: To bring this back to the policy resolution you've put forward here, is there a, a role for government policy or legislation on this, or is this an issue that has to be decided by uh, the governing bodies of all of these different sports and sporting events like the Olympics and so on and the you know Canadian Cycling Associations and Swimming Associations and all of that?
3: All of the above, Andrew, because the truth is that we, are, we wouldn't be in this position in Canada if it hadn't been for Justin Trudeau and Bill C-16. And then that intimidates all the sports organizations into pushing the most radical policy possible, undermining women and girls. So you have to to fix Bill C-16, either get rid of it or amend it as they did in the UK, adding sex-based exemptions or something. And then you do have to then get strong with sports organizations saying, look, there's a reason we have a female category and it's for female bodies. And so from the grassroots right through to legislation, we need consistent policy and approach to having boundaries around women's safety and privacy and dignity. I mean, that's what we're asking for. And to put it in a platform, okay, it doesn't achieve it yet, but at least one party would maybe stand for something.
0: To go back to the emperor's new clothes metaphor here, I, I'm curious if you can explain the minds of these athletics regulators here. Are you convinced that if you were to eliminate the human rights complaints that they fear, and the human rights litigation that they fear, and the media sl- slander that they fear, that they would all s- protect single-sex s- uh, spaces in these sporting bodies? Or do you think that they've actually themselves been co-opted by this narrative, and, and they're drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak?
3: Yeah, I would say about 10% of the people who govern sports really have bought, drunk the Kool-Aid. They really believe that if a person says, if a man says he's a woman, He's a woman like that suddenly something magical happens in a trillion cells and all of genetics changes instantly because somebody says that i don't know how you can believe that but it, that turns into a religion as far as i'm concerned it, you have to have a, a very strong belief and we never picked sports policy or categories or eligibility on the basis of religion like when in the world did an athlete sign up for a race and say, "Okay, all the Jews over here, and all the Muslims over there, and all the Christians over here"? Like we well, don't do that in sport. You put your ideology aside and you compete with your bodies. And so those for those who actually believe believe this uh, ideology, this renewed social secular religion, I would say, like you know, you've got to look at reality uh and if you know if you don't accept that then there shouldn't even be a woman's category there should be just one big sports category no ages even like you should be able to identify into another age mm-hmm. if you're not going to accept reality then don't expect there to be any categories in sport at all just one big glob and when and then we know who's going to win that it's it's the fit young strapping young adult males who are going to win everything and so the reason you have law like stratification and boundaries and categories is to maximize participation, uh, not exclude women and girls. But the rest of them are being bullied by this minority who think they have some sort of celestial uh, predisposition or predestination to be the enlightened ones. And it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous that we are being intimidated by this tiny minority of true believers. I don't I don't really understand why we're, we're getting there. Like, why, why, where have the, how did we ever get here? But it, it's everywhere.
0: Well, and certainly if it's 90% that are doing what they do out of fear, then that actually means that uh, there is a role for government in saying, not to go in and force them to do something, but to take that card off the table that opponents can play, which is the C 16 you mentioned. This is the uh, bill that launched Jordan Peterson's career. It's the, well, not his career, but sort of launched his celebrity. Yeah. And uh, it's the bill that adds to the Canadian Human Rights Act gender and and gender identity and you've also got uh, in other provinces their own versions of that. Ontario's is uh, particularly bad. Well, we will be watching very closely this uh, policy resolution in Quebec City. I'll be there uh, covering it. I know you've got your fingers crossed and I, uh, again, I know that it doesn't force the party to campaign on the issue but it certainly reflects where uh, Conservative members and a lot of Canadians are. So uh, good good on you for doing it. Linda Blade is the co-author of Unsporting, How Transactivism and science denial are destroying sport and she is the former president of Athletics Alberta. Uh, Thank you so much Linda Thank you Andrew That was Dr. Linda Blade. And as mentioned, we'll uh, definitely keep tabs on that uh, convention motion uh, when I am in Quebec City in just a couple of weeks' time, actually. I think it starts in 13 days, if memory serves. Uh, So my thanks again to Linda. And to all of you, that does it for us for today. We'll be back on Tuesday with more of Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is The Andrew Lawton Show on True North. Thank you, God bless, and good day to you all. Thanks for listening to The Andrew Lawton Show.